We have two texts for today. The first comes to us from Psalm 138, and then I'll read from Isaiah chapter 6. Listen now for a word from God. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted your name and your word above everything. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he perceives from far, far away. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. This is from Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty. The hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, and each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me! I'm lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep listening, but don't comprehend. Keep looking, but don't understand. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you again for your word. Thank you for the call that you've placed on our lives. God, thank you for the curiosity that you give us. And God, thank you most of all that we are a people rooted in gratitude and thanksgiving. I pray that you would speak to us this morning and whatever words we would hear would be yours and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm starting a new sermon series called Thoughts on Being a Christian. And you, you wouldn't think it, but I'm actually really nervous to uh, 
to deliver these thoughts because I, I don't know how intentionally I have thought about what it means to be a Christian for, for all of us. I mean, I've answered questions. I've had to have tests throughout ordination. I, I obviously have done some work, but to ask it in a public way and to try to answer it is, is something different. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about just some of my thoughts on what I think it means to be a Christian. And I'm going to try to be intentionally broad. I'm going to try to, to cast a wide net. And I'm just going to try to think through some of the tenets of our faith in a little bit of a different way, maybe a way that's more accessible. And I'm, I'm saying all of this because I'm asking for your grace. Uh, those of you that are armchair theologians, some of you are trained theologians that have gone through the same training that I have. But I ask for your grace. Um, I'm not going to mention everything. <laughs> I can't touch on everything. And you wouldn't want me to because you'd be stuck here forever, and that, that wouldn't be good for anybody. So um, just listen. I invite you into curiosity. Let me know maybe what I leave out in some of this or what popped up for you as you were listening. This morning we're going to talk about three um, components of our faith that I think come out of these texts. The first is call, and then we're going to talk about curiosity, and then we're going to talk about um, gratitude. Start with call. This Isaiah story is a very, very famous passage. You probably heard it before. Raise your hand if you've heard that passage before, the angels coming, yeah. M many of us have heard this passage, and it's used a lot to talk about call stories. Does anyone know what I mean when I use the language of call? I was called. Show of hands real quick. Do you know a little bit about what that is? Y you might think of it, too, if call doesn't make sense, you might think of it as inspiration. And I don't mean to belittle the theological concept of call. I just mean to cast a little bit wider of a net. It's, it's a kind of inspiration. So in the story for today, Isaiah is sitting in a, in a house and um, doing things that, you know, he did, and suddenly God shows up, and the house fills with smoke, and uh, there are these angels that are flying around, and he's got a hot coal that's touching his lips, and then this voice comes out of the smoke and says, who should I send? Who will go for us? This is a moment of a call, scripturally speaking, a moment when God's voice sort of breaks through our earthly reality and pierces someone's heart, affects someone. And what I love about this is that Isaiah does respond to the call, but he does so without knowing what he's getting himself into. <laughs> Has anyone ever done that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you volunteer for something and you had no idea what you were volunteer volunteering for. Isaiah does this. This is his response to the call. And what I love is that God comes back and says, okay, if you want to go and do this, here's what you have to say. And he says, tell the people, be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing and noticing but never perceiving. And so Isaiah responds. And we get all of these wonderful prophecies that follow after. Now, Christians have picked up on this idea of call, and, and many of us have heard other stories like this, not necessarily just like the Isaiah story, but you may have heard someone talk about their call or whatever inspired them to become a pastor, be involved in the church, or maybe in other arenas they were inspired to do whatever it is they're doing. An example I like to give is um, my grandpa was uh, a preacher, and he, he has this wonderful call story. I, I don't know how you'll feel about it, but 
he says he was out mowing the lawn one day, and he, he was an electrician by trade. Uh, he, was, he was actually in the Air Force, and when he transitioned out of the Air Force, he became an electrician, and that's what he did. He, he you know, wasn't not religious, but he wasn't, you know, totally religious that uh, any of this would make sense. And so he says he was mowing the lawn one day, and he was pushing along, pushing along, and all of a sudden he just fell down right on his face. He says he kind of got up, and he looked around. He had no idea what happened. He actually was a little bit worried that maybe he was having some health issues or something. So he, he stopped. He got some water, and he kind of took a break. And then he, he said while he was taking a break, he heard this voice, he thought, say to him, Ed, that was his name, Ed, I want you to go and preach the gospel. And he said he didn't think anything of it. He thought, oh, I just, you know, it's too hot. I'll finish the lawn, and then I'll, I'll go inside. So he, he starts pushing the lawnmower again. He's going, and he falls down again right on his face. And he said this time he heard clear as day this voice <laughs> coming to him saying, Ed, you have to go and preach the gospel. So he got up a third time. He's a little bit upset this time, and he's kind of grumbling to himself and gets up, and he starts the mower, and he starts walking again, and again he falls down and hits his face, and he says he looks up after that. He looks at the clouds. He goes, okay, whatever you want. (laughs) That's his call story. I've heard other people talk about it differently, too. You know, I I worked as a youth pastor in uh, Colorado for a while, and um, we had this summer intern program where we would bring in four to five interns, and we, we took them through a series of interviews every every summer, and we would always ask them, what's your story? How, how did you come here? What, what's your call story, essentially? Why do you want to work with this youth group in, in Colorado? And this, this one woman gave this brilliant answer that I have never forgotten. She said, well, you know, I know a lot of people have a story where they can talk about, you know, mowing the lawn and falling down three times and hearing this voice. She's like, but I've never had an experience like that. And, you know, my my experience has been, she said, it's been more like a sunrise. It just kind of started at some point and then it just kept going and, and I'm still watching that sunrise and kind of following my call as it goes. And I love that answer because it's not this big magical moment, right? It's this slow process of discovery, of noticing, of opening up to what God's doing in your life. And so that that can be a call too. That can be a kind of inspiration. Maybe you don't have a, a moment as a Christian where you know perfectly what you're supposed to do. Maybe you're kind of always watching and noticing. I'll share one final bit on inspiration and call. Um, Toni Morrison, the author and um, public intellectual, uh, she, she talks a lot about ritual throughout her work. And ritual is a really important touchstone for her. And uh, she, she actually models this in her own life, too. It's not just in her writing, but she had a, a practice of, she said, waking up before the sun arrived. And she, she talks about this in uh, Pieces of Me, or The Pieces I Am. It's on Amazon. You can watch it. I think it's free with a Prime account. Um, but she says, you know, she had this practice of waking up before the sun arrived. Because there was something about going and sitting in the dark and then watching the light arrive, that ritual of watching, that inspired her. Because it, there was something about sitting in the darkness and then seeing the light that filled her with this kind of inspiration to go into the world and then to be a light for it. And she said she tried to let that inspiration shine through her writing. 
I don't know if she would say this, but I would say that's a kind of call that happens every morning. She goes and she has her touchstone and she would wake up to write and to be a light in the world. No matter where you are in your Christian journey, you might have a story like this, and it may not be tied to your vocation, and and that's okay. It might be tied to the church that you came from. I I asked a group of elders and deacons recently, what what brought you here? And and many people had moments where they realized, oh, this this was the place, and other people, they didn't. They just kind of came and never stopped coming. You might have stories like this all across your life, and this is something that's common to Christians across denominations, and it probably crosses religious boundaries too. God is always calling us in whatever contexts we're in. We see it in Isaiah, we see it in our own lives. So that's call and that's inspiration. Let's talk about curiosity. Did you catch that verse? I think it's verse nine in the text, and of course I I closed my Bible. I think I can quote it. Verse 9 in the Isaiah text, when God says, Isaiah, go, go to the people and say, be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing, be ever noticing, but never perceiving. And I had to read that like 20,000 times this week just to begin to try to understand what it may mean. And, I, and I'm probably way off, but the way I'm reading it is, is something like, you have to teach people to cultivate curiosity in their life. Curiosity is, is of the utmost importance, I think, to God and to Jesus. And we see it in the gospel story that we read today for the, the children's time. Jesus says to these fishermen who, by trade, know what they're doing and have been fishing all morning, hey, why don't you go out into the deep water and cast your nets? And Simon says something like, oh, well, we already tried that, Jesus. So you really think that's going to work? And Jesus says, yeah, go, go ahead and try and there's a moment where Simon and the other disciples, they, they could be resistant, right? They could say, no, we, we actually already have that figured out. I already know what's going to happen in the future if I cast my nets out there. I already know what things look like, Jesus. I don't need your help. But instead, they choose a kind of curiosity. They're open to a new possibility. You see this across the scriptures over and over and over. A people who are called to do something that actually seems absurd and ridiculous, and when they show up, they see that, oh, God has been working. God has been up to something. And so there's this call in the Christian's life, and there's this component to the Christian's life that that is something like the cultivation of a deep curiosity. A deep curiosity where we are always listening to what's happening, and, and we have opinions, we, we have thoughts, but we never pretend to have it all figured out. And I just want to tell you, if, if there is a Christian in your life that's telling you they have it all figured out, that's probably a sign that they don't have it all figured out, right? You'd <laughs> I appreciate that one chuckle. <laughs> that was good. I, I mean, really, we're, we're called to be a people who wait for God, who respond to God's action, God's call. Not people that have it all figured out and have the plan ready and say, nope, we're gonna do this and this is what's gonna happen and we have perfect control of the future. We know it's out of our hands. And so our response is to be resistant, to be cynical, to pretend like we know everything. We're to kind of step into this curiosity and say, hmm, 
I'm sure God will help us figure it out. Howard Thurman, who I've talked about a number of times, I, I think would say that this, this kind of curiosity is, is really the genesis of the Christian life. He wants us to do a lot of introspection and ask who we are, but he would also ask us to consider who is this God that we serve? Who is this God that we serve? The one who comes to fishermen and says, why don't you try fishing over there? The one who is raised from the dead, the one who willingly takes up the cross. Who is this God that we serve? And I think our whole life as Christians is spent in this curiosity of just trying to figure that out. So that's another part of being a Christian. The final thing I want to talk about is, is gratitude. Do you all remember uh, when our, I always want to call you Pastor Emily, and I'm so sorry, Emily, for <laughs> calling you out. Do you remember when Emily was um, preaching on stewardship, and she shared this story of going to um, this pastor's house who had this luncheon, it was like every Sunday, right, Emily? They would invite people over, and they would share this meal. And uh, she said that when she started showing up, she, she would help a little bit. She would set the table, and she had her things, but she never really brought anything, and then she started to notice that how many other people were bringing things and, and out of this sort of abundance of gratitude for what these folks were offering, the space that they had created, the way that they had served her and all of these other people, she brought a pie that she made. And she put it on the table. And during that sermon, she invited us to consider what are we going to bring to the table? And I love that image because th th this is really the... This is the crux of what gratitude does for the Christian in their life. Gratitude is the beginning of our life as Christians. We don't do things out of duty and obligation for God. The law has been abolished, as Paul said. You don't have a duty to serve. You're not required to do this. It's not your deep responsibility. You are invited to respond out of the gratitude of what God has done for you and to reflect that back into the world. And it can look like church service, it can look like service in the world, it can look like a lot of different things, but I, I think that the general call on the Christian's life is respond to the gratitude that you have in your heart. I don't know if you, if you all saw the um, Stephen Colbert quote that was going around where he was asked about the connection between his faith and his comedy. Did anyone see that? That was all over my news feed recently. If you haven't seen it, go Google um, Stephen Colbert Thoughts on Faith and Comedy, and, and, and it's wonderful. That sent me down a rabbit trail where I was researching Stephen Colbert and his faith, and I came across this one line that he delivered to um, an interviewer who asked him why he still maintained his Christian faith even after all these years. And he said, my expression of gratitude is first and foremost, foremost toward Jesus Christ. And I just love that because he's, he's sort of pointing toward this, this deep Christian idea that everything we do comes out of this sense of gratitude. And so he maintains his faith because his original gratefulness comes from however Jesus touched his life. And what a beautiful thing for someone who, at least on the outside, seems to have a lot of things figured out and a lot going for them. At the root of what he does is deep, deep gratitude. 
This is what the psalmist is talking about too in the psalm that we read for today. They're saying something like, I will bow down to you, I will praise you, I will be thankful for your steadfast love and your faithfulness and all these wonderful things. And then, I don't know if you notice this, at the end it kind of turns. And he says, even in the face of enemies, I will praise you. Even though I'm surrounded on all sides, I will praise you. Even though there's trouble, I'll continue to be thankful. And what I really appreciate about this psalm is that it calls us to this kind of gratitude and deep thanksgiving, even when things aren't going well for us. And this is a mark of a Christian. The expression of gratitude even when maybe we don't have a reason to be grateful, or at least on the outside, it doesn't seem that there's much to be grateful for. It's a good reminder for us. I love the language, too, in the psalm. It's almost like the writer is trying to do the thing they know they need to do. I will do this. Not, I do praise you. Not, I do feel thankful for you, but I will do this when it feels good again. Gratitude. So those are my initial thoughts on being a Christian. Call, curiosity, and gratitude. And I'd love to know, you know, send me an email this week. Let me know what you think of those. Tell me your call story. Tell me what you're grateful for. Tell me what curiosities you have. I would enjoy reading those and just processing them with you. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the call and the inspiration you've put on our lives. Thank you for the curiosity that you've invited us into. And God, thank you for the salvation you've offered us. We pray all this in your name. Amen.